on this edition of the Iowa Business Report. For the most part, employers are really primarily concerned with keeping their employees safe. Can your employer require you to get a COVID-19 vaccination? We'll talk with an employment attorney about that and related matters. It appears this stressful year has taken a toll on our sleep. And it's the first solo black-founded telehealth company in the United States, and it's based in Iowa. This is the Iowa Business Report for the first weekend of December 2020. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry has been the voice of Iowa business since 1903. Learn more online at iowaabi.org. Here is Jeff Stein. Navigating the legal intricacies tied to the coronavirus can be tricky. As government suggestions regarding the pandemic have changed, so has the advice given by attorneys. Bridget Pennick is a shareholder with the Des Moines office of Fredrickson and Byron, PA. For the most part, employers are really primarily concerned with keeping their employees safe and keeping them able to work in whatever capacity that may be. And it varies from, you know, industry to industry. The, the most frequent question that we get is obviously dealing with a COVID outbreak or concern at the workplace. My go-to guidance is obviously check with the CDC, check with the Iowa Department of Public Health, but some of it you've just got to use your gut and instinct and investigate on your own. I will tell you, the employers do call and, and they really truly are looking out for employees. Sometimes they're just not a clear or good answer. And so whether it's when to quarantine an employee, that's probably one of the, the first questions I get. How can we accommodate certain requests? I mean, early on, it was fear, right? Nobody really knew what to expect. And so the early on questions were really, how do we ensure employees that we are taking the precautions that we need to take and providing as safe as a, a workplace as possible? Things sort of got better over the summer and it's resurged. And there's some new guidance, um, even the, the proclamation from the governor last week, encouraging employers again to take another look at remote working. If you haven't had a, a setup yet to work remotely, can you consider it now? And so those are some questions. I did a webinar last week actually on, is remote work here to stay? And that's a question we get now is now that we've accommodated remote workforce, how long do we have to let it continue? Is there a sense that if a business, and again, I'm speaking very broadly, we're not talking about any legal advice for anyone, certainly, but if a business is acting with the best of intentions and there's no nefarious purpose, is that going to help them ultimately if it's in good faith? Is that going to serve them well going forward? Absolutely. As uh, you may recall, back in June, the Iowa legislature actually passed a law to protect businesses in that very instance. And there's a safe harbor there that if you comply with the guidance, whether it be Iowa Department of Public Health or CDC or any industry-specific guidance that may be out there, um, there is a safe harbor and protection from liability. Obviously, no business wants to face that, but it's a nice safety net there to know that if you're doing the best that you can do under the circumstances, there is some protection um, and limitation of liability. I will also say the answers that I gave in April 
maybe different than what I give now. So I would encourage businesses and employees alike to revisit, revisit the guidance, whoever you reached out to, whether it was your lawyer, whether, whether it was HR, whether it was the government sites, as you said, no one anticipated really we would be where we are now back when this started. And I have had to go back certainly to clients and say, remember what I told you in May? Well, things have shifted a little bit. So don't fall on that pride issue of, oh no, maybe the, the information that I had needs to be updated or refreshed. We are all looking at this constantly through new eyes. There's a big distinction, obviously, between an employer in, say, a service industry where they're not generally open to the public as opposed to a retail operation. Do we have different standards or different things that those different business owners should be thinking about with regard to liability or just general goodwill? Certainly. I mean, I think I'm an employment lawyer, so the employment aspects are the things that come to mind first and foremost. But anytime you are open to the public, you risk or face the potential for claims from visitors, from suppliers, from service providers. So you have to to look at it from both angles or multiple angles. And yeah, the advice that I might give to my office where very few people show up is very different than I do to my clients who are manufacturing, which is different than my hospital clients or my restaurant clients. So it certainly does vary. And even knowing as a consumer or a customer, when you walk into a business, is it evident that this business that you're, you're entering is taking this seriously and trying to keep you safe? If a store has put up plexiglass shields at a check stand, if the employees are all wearing masks properly, I suppose that allows the owner to say, we're holding ourselves out as somebody who cares about safety, but it's not 100%, and you still assume some liability as a customer. Exactly. And I think something to keep in mind, and when I give these legal thoughts for consideration, a scholar of the law will know that causation is something that's essential. So I say, practically speaking, it's going to be very difficult for someone to prove how and when they contracted the virus. The incubation period is so long, he can't tell visibly looking at someone or looking at a surface whether the virus is there. So unless you have one of these, you know, you've seen in the news some of these pretty egregious allegations of certain businesses or work sites, unless you have something that extreme, it's going to be very difficult for an employee of my office to say, for example, that they contracted the virus here versus at the grocery store versus at, you know, in school, wherever they may be. So I think that's one hurdle. I'm not a plaintiff's lawyer, but I think that will be one that they will face bringing claims, you know, is proving where and who was the cause of of any injury or illness. Especially when all the leading authorities talk about community spread. Well, if you've got community spread, it has permeated every aspect. And so that causation is, as you say, very difficult, if not impossible to prove. Let me ask you finally, There's talk of a vaccine, and there are some people who will seek that as soon as possible. There are others who may want to wait to see how it is being tolerated by the public at large. Can an employer require an employee to get a COVID shot, a flu shot for that matter? I assume from a legal standpoint, it's the same. Well, that's a very good intro there. Lawyers like me are looking at this already. The signs and the indications about vaccines are really 
positive. It's that glimmer of hope that we all have, right? There is EEOC guidance about an influenza vaccine back from 2009. And there, EEOC was really cautious. Any required medical inquiry or exam is going to have to be based on business necessity. Um, And we can go into a whole discussion about how the EEOC's guidance on, say, prior pandemics, swine flu, and influenza is being adjusted fairly frequently by the, the government. So I anticipate the EEOC will also update its guidance on the vaccination. So the lawyer answer that I will provide is that, yes, you can require it with some caveats. And, you know, the things that we would normally think about in a medical inquiry like that is, is there a religious objection, a sincerely held religious belief that might override or outweigh the public benefit of the vaccine or another disability? You know, maybe someone has a health condition that would make a a vaccine for COVID-19 unadvised by their healthcare provider. So getting those medical excuses, just like you're seeing people right now trying to use that for masks, right? Well, I have asthma, so I can't wear a mask. So I think stay tuned is the answer. I think generally COVID-19 has been declared by the federal government as one of these health conditions that can be a direct threat to oneself or to others. So that heightens the level that gives employers a little bit more clout to say, yeah, we can require whether it's COVID-19 testing before you return to work or, you know, taking that down the road a bit, requiring the vaccination. It can be a default rule, but you have to be prepared for some exceptions. And as you noted, It depends on what the business is. Again, if it is in the hospital industry, the food service industry, one where there's a lot of contact with customers as opposed to a tight-knit smaller workforce, I trust. Certainly. Yeah, I think that that can certainly play a part. And, you know, if you're working remotely now, for example, there can maybe is a requirement to return to the community workplace. This could be considered or imposed. And accessibility and availability, obviously, are going to be determinative. And then certainly the next six months, even 12 months, depending on who you hear from. Those who are frontline workers hopefully will have access to any vaccine before someone like me who you know could work in an isolated office or even at home. Bridget Pennick is an employment and labor law attorney with the Des Moines office of Fredrickson and Byron. For more information, go to fredlaw.com. There's much more to the conversation Hear it all by listening to the podcast. Go to totallyiowa.com and click on radio programs. Still to come, getting a good night's sleep. And you'll hear from a man whose Des Moines-based business was just what the doctor ordered during the pandemic, literally. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. A study of 2,000 Americans shows that 51% of those surveyed said this year was their worst ever for sleep. And 6 out of 10 say they plan to make sleep a top priority in 2021. Julie McQueen is an expert in restorative sleep. So if you're going to bed at night and you have a typical bedtime, which is the, the way you should be doing it, you should, your body needs to kind of have an idea of when you're going to be shutting down and going to sleep. Studies are showing that people who turn off social media, they don't watch the news right before bed, they really find a way to 
um, have some type of uh, positive information coming in or something educational or inspirational, um, you know, our brains really don't shut down um, the way that we think they do when we close our eyes and drift off. It's still processing all of that information. And to get that real deep, high-quality sleep, your brain needs to find a way to kind of be more mindful about falling asleep. So what we have done is our sleep stories, as we call them, it's people with really nice voices telling just boring enough stories to make you fall asleep and drift off peacefully. And then, unlike when you're watching TV or, you know, listening to something else, our app shuts down after the story is finished and it just quietly goes away. Your screen is off on the phone, so there's no distraction with it lighting up or anything. And, you know, by then you're, you're asleep. And, and honestly, a lot of people don't make it through the first few minutes of the story. You know, they're just so relaxing and so peaceful. And, you know, the stories, a lot of them we custom curate. We write the stories. We have staff writers. Others are, you know, older stories that may be kind of familiar. We edit them for sleepiness. So we take out the really exciting parts. But, you know, it's just a, a way to help your body and your brain shut down at the same time to get that deep sleep that we all need. Julie McQueen of Carbon Unwind. The top reason why we haven't slept well? Consuming too much news in 2020, with more than a third of us blaming that for restlessness. Another 22% blamed spending too much time with family. And 16% said it was due to burnout from working from home. Coming up, how to get proper medical care while staying at home during a pandemic. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, helping develop the next generation of business leaders through Leadership Iowa, Business Horizons, and Leadership Iowa University. To learn more, go to iowaabi.org. In this week's business profile, we'll meet Benjamin Lefevre, CEO and founder of CertainTel, based in Des Moines. His company has been recognized nationally as one of those with innovative solutions for effective remote patient monitoring. We are simply a telehealth or telemedicine business. Most understand what that is around COVID, you know, what telehealth is all about. But CertainTel was started years before COVID actually hit with a simple mission of putting tools in the hands of, at that time, mental health professionals to be able to engage patients that either struggled because they live in a more rural area or because of concerns around not letting folks know that they want to see a therapist or psychologist to allow them to do that virtually. You know, when we started that concept in 2014, It's really evolved to do a lot more, but a simple concept was allowing patients where you're at to get access to mental health services was really the start of the business. We've evolved a lot and we'll get to that where we're at today. But reason why it was started, you know, I work with a lot of behavioral health providers in my previous profession in the pharmaceutical area, helping providers treat patients around depression, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder and saw that there was a need to allow better accessibility around that, seeing the power of connecting where patients are to improve health outcomes. And so taking my experience in healthcare, pharmaceuticals, biotech, initiating some rollouts around telehealth was really the reason for the concept of starting CertainTel. 
I know a lot of people in Iowa think that this is a rural issue. In other words, rural versus urban. But realistically, it's not just to help those in rural areas, although the need is there. You're also talking about various different populations across the country where we might not think at first, oh, they they have a lack of access to care. Absolutely. Access to care and accessibility is not just a rural issue. A lot of it is a socioeconomic issue and challenge of getting access to health care. You know, you're maybe an hourly wage worker or even in an urban setting, don't have a car. And so you still have the challenges of trying to get transportation into an in-person visit or have the choice to make to take time off of work, not get paid, to go into a simple follow-up visit. And typically what happens in those settings is patients don't show up. So no-shows, accessibility absolutely is not just a rural, it's an urban, but more so a socioeconomic issue of getting access and accessibility to care. And so that kind of segues into our focus is helping those types of patients not only get access to mental health care, but also being able to be engaged at home around a chronic condition to support healthy living so they're not in the hospital unnecessarily because of their complications around diabetes and hypertension and such. But going back to your original question, it absolutely, we talk about access, accessibility. It's not just a rural, it's an urban issue, but more importantly, it's really a socioeconomic issue. You're based in Des Moines. Talk about the uniqueness of basing your national company there. Why Des Moines? Because I am sure, now again, those of us from Iowa think, well, that's that's a pretty good place to be, but I'm sure there there's a little pushback from folks on the coast occasionally. Yes. When I started this venture, you know, at the time I was working for Genentech, which is the founder of Biotech, based in South San Francisco. So you absolutely think of the hub of startups, innovation is in the Bay Area. But a couple things. One, the choice to move back to Des Moines was because I went to school here, built some relationships here. And when we're talking about telehealth, remote engagement, connectivity, you know, we should be able to be based anywhere and still drive our program and services. But most importantly, the decision to move from San Francisco to Des Moines, Iowa, was really the community, the support, the accessibility to give me a best chance of success as I start this business. Certainly the cost of living is a factor as well, but more importantly was the business community here, the support, CertainTel would absolutely not be where it's at today. I'm confident if not making that choice to come to Des Moines, Iowa, to really be the grassroots and foundation for growth of the company. You had established your business pre-COVID, but obviously COVID has changed things and it doesn't appear to be letting up anytime soon, sadly, even with the possibility of a vaccine. So talk about how you as a business owner with this very unique business, how it is that you have pivoted, responded, grown as a result of this new need due to COVID-19. Certainly. You know, we were building a model tied to our technology, which is video conferencing equipment, making it accessible through HIPAA secure video, whether you're on a smartphone, on a laptop. And at that point, we had also added on the ability to support higher risk patients around chronic disease management. So what that means is allowing blood pressure cuffs, glucometers, weight scales to be placed in the patient's home and be able to engage around those real-time readings for higher risk patients. But we also saw a challenge, this is pre-COVID, not only do organizations that see these patients that are 
rural, urban, low-income, underserved, typically Medicare, Medicaid, they also need a support from a staffing perspective because these primary care clinics called community health centers, rural health clinics, do a great job as best they can of engaging patients around the chronic disease, but they just don't have the staff capacity to spend as much time as needed for their high-risk patients. So we took our technology and said, what if we were able to integrate highly trained staff to support these patients in home as well? And we were building this model pre-COVID, knowing it was in need, uh, looking at customer discovery over the year. But post-COVID, during the public health emergency, just the influx of need of accessibility, having to furlough staff, our model became an essential piece of what they needed to do to improve health outcomes and engage patients. So we were on this track knowing there was a need pre-COVID around engaging their high-risk patients, not with technology, but staff to coach them on self-management, how to make better choices around healthy living. With COVID, as you can imagine, the folks that were highest risk and mortality were patients with chronic conditions, older age patients, right in the wheelhouse of what we've been sharing of what we can do in partnership with these clinics. So we were probably, you know, about a thousand patients engaging in our chronic care management model. And in a short amount of time, we scaled that to over 10,000 patients and continuing to grow, you know, week over week because of the public health emergency. So scaling our clinical staff, which we think is critical, is, is going to be one of our biggest challenges. We feel we're, we're set up for success. And then making sure the payers, state Medicaid, commercial, start to follow Medicare's lead and allowing providers to get paid for this type of engagement. Benjamin Lefevre, founder and CEO of CertainTel, the first solo black-founded telehealth company in the U.S., based in Des Moines. More online at certaintel.com. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. You'll also find podcasts of full interviews with many of the folks you hear on this program. They're listed as IBR extras and IBR business profiles. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, including iHeart, Apple, Google, and Stitcher. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Follow ABI on Twitter at IowaABI and online at iowaabi.org.